What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, here with a bonus episode of the podcast this week. We already covered our sports for the week. I did an episode earlier in the week where we reflected and remembered the life of Kobe Bryant, Gianna, the Altabelli family, and the other lives that were lost in the horrible, tragic helicopter crash that claimed nine lives just a week ago. So if you are looking for sports content, you will not be finding it in this episode, but I will have some college basketball stuff coming out early next week around Monday. Today's Friday, February 7th, 2020. And as I mentioned, this is a bonus episode, which means we're not talking sports today. We are talking about the premiere of season 40 of Survivor, Survivor Winners at War, which is really going to be one of the biggest seasons up to this point in Survivor history. I've got a man joining me here to talk all about it, Aaron Levitt. Aaron is a media relations specialist in the athletic department at Valparaiso University. Again, we're not talking sports today, Aaron, but how are you doing? No, I'm doing good. And yeah, it's kind of ironic. I make my debut on your podcast and, you know, sports aren't even on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think there's no we don't have Brad Culpepper on this season. No, Jeff Kent. There hasn't been a former sports personality that's one survivor yet. I mean, Adam Klein, there was a former Gary South Shore Railcat named Adam Klein, but that was a (laughs) A completely different guy for the uh, independent league baseball team I do official scoring for. But other than that, that's probably, I mean, <laughs> Boston Rob likes to wear the Red Sox hat. That's That might be about as close as we get to the sports here. <laughs> hey, Boston Rob's Red Sox cap is different this season. Did you notice that? I did not yet, no. He wore this on The Amazing Race, but if for people who haven't seen The Amazing Race or are not big sports people... It's the Red Sox alternate hat that's red with a blue logo on it. All right. Maybe he's hoping, you know, change it up a little. People won't recognize him with the red (laughs) hat on. People might not recognize him for some other reasons as well. (laughs) (laughs) No, Rob, I'm excited to see Rob. I'm excited to see so many people back on this signature season, this milestone Survivor Season 40. Aaron, I want to tell people how we got to this podcast episode. So I saw you a couple months ago at a Valpo women's basketball game that you were working over at Northwestern. You came up to me and you said, hey, I saw you've had some Survivor people on the podcast. If you ever want to do something for Season 40, count me in. Let's do this. So this was your idea, your vision. And I'm really glad you came up with the idea because we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's an exciting season. I think we were talking before we started recording and I said, you know, I don't know if I've been as excited for a season going back to heroes versus villains. I mean, just the idea. And I think it's an idea. I, I was an old school fan. Like I got into it season one. And so I think even way back then, the idea at that point that sometime maybe we'd get enough winners for an all winner season and see the best of the best go up against each other um, was kind of a fantasy for any true survivor fan. And, you know, I think it's remarkable. I mean, we get to this point where, yeah, we're 39 seasons in, but still to be able to pull back this many former winners for an all winner season is impressive. And, 
I mean, all the fantasy matchups <laughs> you've got going on, going into the season, like pitting these two people who you who you always thought, you know, how would they do against each other? And now, I mean, it's really like going back to the original All-Stars all over again in terms of, hey, we're seeing all these matchups that we just imagined, and now we're actually going to get to see them play out on screen. Yeah, I remember the idea, and like you, Aaron, I started watching Survivor in Borneo as well. I was only five years old, so I've been watching this show for a very long time. It's pretty much taken up, I guess, you know, 25, 20 years of my life. That's that's a big chunk. Of, that's uh, set 80% of my life. Um, so I've been watching this whole way, too, and I remember as a kid, before All-Stars even airing, just the idea of, hey, I wonder because you and I are both sports fans, as we mentioned, this is a sports podcast. I always had the idea of what, what if they got the best of the best? What if they had a playoff type version of survivor where they're all winners? These are all like they're the division champions and they're all going toe to toe. I remember thinking at a young age, keep in mind, this was before all stars. I didn't even think of the idea of an all stars. I was thinking, well, this will never happen. Because we're never going to get... This show isn't going to be on for 16 seasons. We never thought that this thing was going to keep going. We were just enjoying the ride as it was airing. And now here we are 20 years later. And we have 38 winners of Survivor up to this point to choose from. Uh, several more men than women. We've got the amount of people now to do it. And it's a testament to the staying power that this show has had. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't think anyone when it first debuted thought it would be on 20 years later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's got that staying power and there's still the draw of the competition for the players. It's not just the draw for the fan base, but to have that many winners who've reached the pinnacle of the show and to entice them with this idea. Yeah, you've won, but can you beat the best of the best and have this many choose to come back for the all winter season is a testament to the strength of the show as well. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. So let's talk a little bit about this cast that we have here for this season in Fiji, because now Fiji is the permanent location of Survivor, at least for the time being. We have 20 people returning to play Survivor, 10 men, 10 women. All of them have one Survivor before. I'm curious, Aaron, out of the 20 that we got, who were you hoping when we got this report back in May, April or May, we find out, okay, there's going to be an all winter season. Who were you really hoping to see back that ultimately didn't get the call or did not choose to come back for this season? Looking at the list of winners that aren't on the season, I think Brian Heideck's always been one. Um, again, as kind of a more old school fan that, yeah. you know, how well would he be able to play a second time around, given that people would know kind of how shifty he is from his first time, how cold blooded he was. Um, and we've never gotten the chance to see that again. And I thought it would have been interesting to see him out there. Um, I think someone like a Fabio yeah. would have been introduced because he was on Fabio my list. is kind of ripped really outside the mold of what you kind of think of when you think survivor winner. So to see how he would be able to adjust to this group of these great game players 
when maybe his win wasn't necessarily one of the quote great gameplay wins would have been interesting to see. I think Vesepi is another one I always yeah. would have liked to see back, but it seems for whatever reason that ship has sailed. Like she's never gotten the call back. So at this point I'm guessing it's not going to happen. Um, and of course it all be, it always be good to see uh, the OG Richard hatchback, but obviously there were probably other considerations that came into him uh, not being uh, one sure. of the final 20 back for this year. Yeah, the ones that really come to mind for me, I just felt like if you're going to do all winners, you need to have the original winner in Richard Hatch. And you got to have the original female winner in Tina. I really was hoping, I think you and I are both attracted to with this idea of who are some people that we haven't seen back in a very long time and who are people that haven't been back, period. So really those two were the big ones for me that I was surprised were not in the cast and then Vesepia was also one of the few that I really wanted to see. Um, Mike Holloway from Survivor Worlds Apart. I really was kind of surprised that he did not get the call because he seems to be the type of guy that would check off every box in the sense of what Jeff Probst looks for in someone who's exciting and plays a bold game and is a big character. I was a big fan of him. And then Fabio. It was the other one for me. So those were the ones that I was really hoping to see. I will say I wasn't ultimately super surprised that Tina wasn't back just because we have seen her um, twice more since her original season. So that one didn't um, really surprise me as much. I would have liked to see Cochran again, but I understand yeah. like he said he doesn't want to play again. And the idea of him playing against the this group would have been awesome. But again, you know, that's, He's made that decision. He doesn't want to play again. And so, you know, obviously you want that spot going to someone who wants to be there. Yeah. Another one to mention is Tom Westman, the ultimate survivor winner in terms of what he did in Palau was just so exciting. He played a perfect game of survivor in the sense that they shut out their opponent in Oolong. So I really wanted to see him back, but I, I had heard also that, he might not be in the best place health-wise to be out there, which is really unfortunate because I'm a big Tom fan. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that, you know, I think these characters in our minds tend to get stuck at the age that we see them in their seasons. And unless you step back and think about it, like, okay, Tom won, you know, how many years ago was that now? Like 10 years ago or yeah. 15 years ago? You know, 15 years ago. He's in his mid-50s now, and so with these older winners from the early seasons, you know, in our mind, we see them one age, but they're 15, 20 years older now than they were when they originally won. And that's something that's kind of cool about this season in the sense that because whenever you have an, a returning player season at this point, you're typically going to get some older cast members, which Survivor doesn't seem to be casting too many of the 40-year-old-plus people. Uh, and this season, they're, I think, the youngest. I, I want to say Nick Wilson is the youngest at 28. Yeah, I think Adam Klein's 28 as well. Um, just looking for myself. Yeah. But there's only, looks like, three twenty something or th four twenty somethings versus, you know, what do you have here? Like seven or eight 40-year-olds out there. 
I mean, that's that's <laughs> definitely skewing a lot older than recent Survivor seasons have skewed, and I think it'll be interesting to see if that kind of difference has any impact on the gameplay this year. So, Aaron, let's start talking about the cast that we have. Let's We can go down one by one. We don't have to spend too long on these people. But let's start. Who's the person that you are most excited to see back on this season? Um, I think, you know, if you had asked me in my mind to put together an all-winners cast and kind of divide them up and everything, I think the one person that's out there that I would have liked to see out there but never in my mind would I thought would actually have accepted the invite would be Yul Kwan. Like I thought there was zero chance we were seeing him again on survivor just because, you know, he, of his career path. Like that was, I mean, I wanted to see him again cause I, he was such a, such a great player in the social game, such a paired him with Ozzy. And it was kind of like this. Okay. You know, which is going to win out the social or the physical, and it was a really epic battle. But then you had with him the the powerful immunity idol, the super idol, basically. Um, and then it's like, well, how would he do without that? But I just thought, you know, we're not going to see him ever again. And to see him out there and knowing how smart a player he is, he's one of those from kind of the earlier years that I could see really being able to adjust well to the kind of this new school game where the idols and advantages are such a big part of the contest. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Yule back. I was re-watching Cook Islands a few years ago, and just the guy has such a good heart. I remember at one point his final words to the camera, they're voting someone out, and he genuinely looked so sad to vote out someone who was not in his alliance because he felt like he was crushing their dream. And so I'm excited to see Yule, especially considering all the points that you mentioned. I didn't think he'd be coming back. I also didn't think we'd be seeing Ethan back or Danny. So I to have three of those people in that middle part of the show in the teens of Survivor seasons, really, really cool. I do think what will be interesting to look out for on this season is... If the the people like Yule and Danny, who do not seem to have, they haven't been super active in the Survivor community for a long time, are those people going to be used well by other people who need numbers? Are they going to be able to latch on as the free agents or whatever you want to call them? Or are they going to be easy targets at the beginning because they don't have as strong of a relationship with some of the other people, which we've seen relationship stuff like that come into play in seasons such as heroes versus villains. Yeah. And in a perfect world, the pregame alliances obviously wouldn't affect seasons like this, but it obviously isn't a perfect world. And you do have the pregame alliances and you go all the way back to all stars, the original and, you know, Rob's in with Lex and Kathy pregame. And then obviously, stabs them in the back depending on your point of view he stabbed them in the back or he's playing the game and you know he's thinking it's within the game and they're thinking well we had this friendship outside of the game and so i think we really saw right away in that first returning player season how much an impact these outside relationships from pregame can have on the gameplay within the season but i like the point you brought up that 
even if you're not necessarily part of one of these pregame friendships or maybe even go so far as to be pregame alliances, people are going to need numbers. And I think Yule can be that kind of political player where he realizes, hey, I'm going to latch on to this alliance. They need my number and then talk his way into a a bigger part of the alliance. And all of a sudden he's entrenched with them. Like I could see that happening easily. Yeah, I think another interesting dynamic in the sense that we talk about these pregame friendships and alliances, we're 20 years into Survivor history. And when All-Stars came around, we were four years into Survivor history. Boston Rob and Lex had this tight friendship, but they had only really known each other for maybe a year or so. Now you're looking at Rob and Tyson being survivor best buds for 10 years how much stronger are these bonds and how much easier can they break in the sense of people going against their word and their pregame friends and their friends that they have i'm curious to see how that plays out too well and with this group this all winners and everyone kind of understanding coming in okay this is going to be cutthroat like how many of them go in with the mindset that okay, you know, if I get played, I get played. And going in understanding that, you know, that this is the game, this doesn't affect us outside of it, versus how many of that them have that viewpoint of, you know, we have this bond like from outside, it should carry in. And, you know, it'll be, these are all questions we'll find out once the show starts airing. But <laughs> um, it's just, it's just one of those dynamics you don't get in a, quote regular season of survivor where it's the all 16 18 20 strangers you know it's just another dynamic thrown onto the normal gameplay dynamics and makes it more interesting whether it's makes it better or worse i guess is up for opinion but definitely puts another layer into the game absolutely let's talk a little bit about boston rob because we've brought up his name a few times here my I actually, my bold prediction for Robbie here is that, or Boston Bob, as Sandra likes to call him, I think that he learned his lesson from All-Stars and really does not want to go down that path. I mean, I think you even saw some of it in his Heroes versus Villains game where he was in a point in that season where he really could have been, when he was on the outs and it was him versus Russell, He wasn't super aggressive and pushy with Jerry. I think he wanted to just play the game in a in a more kind hearted fashion. Now, he's also been married. He's had kids, but it hasn't been talked about enough that what happens to Boston Rob and all stars, the way he played that game and the way that his friendships were affected and altered as a result really affected him. I don't think he wants to go down that path again. So I think Rob is kind of coming out here wanting to have a little bit of fun. He's going to, he'll embrace the edge of extinction element. He can build another type of uh, castle or whatever they built over on Island of the Idols. Amber is on there. Really, I don't, I couldn't see why Rob would want to do this other than knowing that, look, I might be out early. Let's go and have some fun with some of my survivor friends and also would not be surprised if they paid Rob extra money to be on this season. Well, I mean, I think a big part of it 
with him and Sandra and knowing kind of how big of targets they are, I think that might've played into last season's theme, you know, bring them out. I'm sure they got compensated for last season. And so that, you know, you're asking them to commit, you know, however many months of their lives to, to survivor again, when neither of them really has anything more to prove. And I think last season kind of sweetened the pot for them a bit, but yeah, the, the Rob question is interesting. Um, if, if you think about it, like your first instinct would be, oh, they should get rid of him right away. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to look at it. Rob Mariano's played four times. Twice he didn't, doesn't even make the jury. You know, obviously All-Stars, he's the runner-up. And then he wins Redemption Island, which, you know, seems set up to have Robert Russell win it. Um, and you know, Rob, Rob got his Alliance, Rob rode the Alliance and Rob was an easy winner in the end and give him credit for winning. But I think sometimes he gets played up into this mythical figure and he, he's not the be all end all of a survivor player. Like he's shown faults in the game is, and as you said, is, is the passion going to be there? You know, is he going to be as cutthroat being his fifth time out there? He's already won. You know, and the question, and obviously they're separated at the start of the game, but with Amber out there as well, does he, if it comes down to it, does he torpedo his game to help her? You know, it's, it'll be interesting. Um, But yeah, I, I would agree. I think Rob's smart enough that I wouldn't necessarily think you'll see him be as cutthroat, at least right off the bat. Um, I think... I would think you'll see him try to hook up an alliance with some of the uh, other older school players on his team, which then brings in, you know, past relationships, Rob and Ethan working together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Given, given what happened, uh, what, 11 years ago now? Um, Yeah. 16 years ago. 16 i can't do math <laughs> <laughs> you you it seems like you keep thinking it's 2015 and yeah. i i make the same mistake sometimes <laughs> yeah well really 11 16 years it's all the same right <laughs> it's a long time the show's been on quite a while um but it, i mean it's do, and do his teammates let him get to a point and does do amber's teammates on the other side let them get to a point knowing how much survivor can be kind of swap heavy in the early going that could play into it as well they're like well we can't let them stay around because what if we have a swap day six and all of a sudden rob and amber are together i think that rob i hate to say it i just don't think he stands much of a chance in this season i can't really see myself being wrong about this the problem i think with this season it's going to be a little bit like what happened with sandra and game changers when these people were just so excited to be able to say they voted out Sandra. And I think that Rob and Sandra, that's going to be a factor. Now, I think that Rob could be in a situation where, like Sandra, is able to get through maybe the first five or six votes in the sense that he's going to contribute in a lot of ways around camp. He's going to help you in the challenges. But... I think the other thing that's going to be a factor is that people are going to want screen time. While we know about the Edge of Extinction, 
they don't necessarily know about the edge of extinction. So they might think if we get rid of Rob, Rob's going to take all these confessionals. I want more screen time myself. There are 20 people out here. That's where I think they're just, the, I think the deck is really stacked against him. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Just the number of big personalities in the game, um, which you're going to get when you have an all-winner season. Um, but you just go down the list and think about how many of them dominated confessional time in their um, their winning seasons. And, you know, there's only a, a finite number of, or a finite amount of time for each episode. Now, of course, there's the hidden scenes online, but you're talking about you want to get as much of your 42 minutes each episode as you can. And I think that's a good point because everyone knows how much the show loves Boston Rob right. and how he's kind of the face of the franchise. And so we that's a good point is given that they don't necessarily know going in that the edge of extinctions there. And if they vote out Rob early, he's still going to get the same number of confessionals just hanging out by himself. <laughs> Aaron, you ever watch the challenge on MTV? You ever seen that show? I did not know. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a show that currently is airing now. And there's a guy on there named Johnny bananas. And basically the challenge and actually Jay from survivor, uh, millennials versus gen X is going to be competing on it this season, which will be cool. But the challenge is unique in the sense that they do returning players every single season. In fact, it's like 60% of the cast is returning players and they mix it up. And so this guy, Johnny bananas, he's won six titles on the challenge and he's also screwed over some people badly. He's become the face of the show. And what has happened over the last three or four seasons is every time Johnny goes out there, these new people are like, I just want to get Johnny Bananas out myself for all those reasons in the sense of he's, I want to, I don't want him taking my screen time. I want to be able to say that I got him out. So I think that there's some interesting parallels between that show and what we could be seeing on Winners at War this time around. Yeah, I think the only difference you might see there is that, you know, and you talked about Sandra with Game Changers too, I think the dynamic of this being an all-winner season, Yeah, you might get, uh, people are smart enough to kind of, okay, I want the screen time, but I want the $2 million more, <laughs> and I yeah. want to do what it takes to win the $2 million, and whatever the editors do with me, they do with me. You know, are are they all that smart? Who knows? We'll see, but I think that's where the the only difference where that could come in, where maybe the screen time isn't necessarily the uh, the top priority for everyone. Yeah, definitely. I think what I would have liked to see on this season is some sort of a more of a mix between old school and new school, where maybe one tribe or maybe a five on each tribe that are winners between one season one and season twenty. And then you have another tribe, another 10 people who are winners between 21 and 40. Because I do get a sense that some of these new people are going to be coming for blood for some of these older people. Because there's bragging rights in the sense of the old school versus new school idea. And they're just a lot more of the new people than there are the older people. Well, I think... 
two, it's just the mindset of how the game has evolved and what it's about. You know, yeah. back in the early days of Survivor, it was about you know stranded with sixteen strangers. You've got to figure out how to vote them out and then turn around and ask for their vote at the end. It was about not that it's not about social game now, but I think that was really emphasized back in the early days. Like you've got to be a good enough social player to vote them out and then have them be willing to give you their million dollar vote. And I think now the game's evolved and you get to where it's about, okay, who can, who can make the biggest moves, who can pull off the most blind sides, who can navigate the idols and, you know, it's evolved more toward the the gameplay aspect. Not that social is still not important, but I think that's what you'll see maybe where the newer players might have an advantage as well as they've gone through seasons where advantages are a big thing. There's enough idols out there that you have to have lower thirds to tell you who has what, um, where, where the big moves are really emphasized. And it'll be interesting to see if, those kind of older players can adjust to that, can adjust to the their thinking, not just of how to play within the game and incorporate the advantages and idols, but also the thinking of the show as a whole now, where the idea that the big moves should be what are rewarded permeates everything. Yeah. Aaron, who are the people that you're looking at as likely the early targets? Well, I think... You know, you know, Rob is going to be, I mean, as much as I'd like to think, you know, people can look past, I think he'll end up being one of the early targets looking, uh, looking at his tribe. Um, I mean, I think you've got to look at Parvati has got to be an early target. Again, you talk about one of the faces of the show. Now she's not quite on the Sandra level necessarily, but you know, she's definitely one of, one of Prope's favorites. She's, three-time player you know she knows how to play the game all three of her seasons she got into the top six you know she made the finals twice so i think she's going to be a target early on um and then you look at the other side i mean sandra's the obvious answer there you know again face of the show so and given the fact she's won twice well who's gonna want her to win a third time versus someone else winning for a second time. Um, I'd like to think, I've always been a Sandra fan, I'd like to think she can overcome that, but it's going to be difficult. I think Tony, you know, obviously there's a lot of aggressive players in this season, (laughs) but Tony has struck me in his two seasons. Like, you get some of these other aggressive players, and they can, they've adjusted and kind of toned it down when they needed to. Tony in his two seasons really hasn't done that. You know, he's been go, 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 pedal to the metal, 110% the entire time, which makes for fantastic television. But I think in this group, that's not going to play well early on. I do think with Tony that his early exit from Game Changers helps him in this instance because it seems like a lot of people are just not taking him quite as seriously. There might be people who think, oh, I I can work with Tony. Tony, I don't have to worry about Tony. While he is intense and while he's unpredictable and all these things, I do think that out of all these, and I do agree that he's on the same, of all these people that we're looking at as early targets, I think he would be the one 
that I would give the best chance to to avoid that early boot. I mean, and and that's the thing too. You talk about there's so many variables with this season. <laughs> you know, you take what I just said, and you know, two or three people can get together and look at that exactly the same way and be like, "Well, yeah, that's the guy we want with us." Because if someone's getting voted out of our group, then it'll be him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you get an alliance that he's heading up and makes some headway, and because others view him as the target of the group and can kind of just kind of hide behind him and um, ride his wave. I think Tyson is going to be a target before the merge. Everyone knows how great he is at challenges. People know he's smarter than he lets people on to be. And also the fact that I think he's also guilty by association for being so close with Rob. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it has been though. You look at a, his last season was six and a half years ago, you know, yeah. how much of that. I'm sure all these people did their studying up on each other before they went out there, but you know, it's been a while since he played. Is it long enough where he's able to kind of look how he played and step back and adjust things and maybe try to make himself less of a threat, but he's definitely someone I think learned a lot from his first two appearances. And you saw that in blood versus water where he was able to take that and part lay it into a victory. Um, I do agree, though. Looking looking at his tribe, he's one of the ones I'd put up there um, for an early target. I think I, I think the Amber case is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I was just about to bring her up. You know, it's been... Let's see if I can do the math right this time. 16 <laughs> years since All-Star. There you go. You got it. Which, by the way, you wouldn't tell by looking at her. She still looks beautiful. For she looks the ex- she looks like she's twenty five still. Yeah. Um, I was shocked when I saw she she was forty years old. I'm like, <laughs> you you would not be able to tell. But you know, she on her own has not seemed has not come across on the on our screens ever as a super threatening player. Obviously, she and Rob got together in All Stars and ran the game till the end. You know, everything we were shown was that really it was Rob running the show. But I always remember in the back of my mind, I forget which vote it was in All-Stars, one of the ones post-merge, where Sheehan's like, I'm voting for the person, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm voting for the person who's running the game and is going to win this game. And she votes for Amber. And I forget if that was the episode Sheehan was voted out. Um, but May that always been. struck me as like she ends up, had that insight that okay, Rob's coming forward as the one controlling everything, but Amber's right there with him. She's not behind him. She's kind of alongside him. And so, how do her tribe mates? Do her tribe mates look at her? Okay, if she's separated from Rob, she's easy to control her. Do they view her as kind of okay? She was one of. She she was an equal part in running that game as Rob was. I don't think I have an answer right now how people will will view that. Um, it'll be that that'll be one of the more interesting things I think to see early on in the season. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I'm happy to see the amount of ads that Amber has gotten. They've been hyping up the return of Amber, which I think is really cool. I and I do think part of why Rob agreed to come back was I think he wanted Amber to get this opportunity. I think Rob knows he's not going to have much of a shot. He wants to come out here, 
get a nice paycheck, have some fun, see his friends, and potentially fall on the sword for Amber and let Amber get a chance to really play and get back in the game. Now, I do think, though, that Amber could also fall victim to the fact that of guilt by association. She could be an early target for the same reasons that you mentioned and the things we talk about also with Tyson. So we can't really tell. But in this moment, I'm guessing it almost would have been better for her if Robin Amber didn't actually end up working out, if they didn't actually end up getting married, if they were just a reality TV (laughs) item. And now she was coming back after this long time. She would be so underestimated. But I think that because she's done the amazing race, because she's look, everyone's going to say, Oh, she learned so much from Rob and all this stuff. Not that really Rob needs to teach her anything. Cause she won the game before he did. I just, I don't have a great feeling about Amber. I think she's going to be out uh, sometime before the merge as well, but I'm hoping that she's able to stick around longer. Yeah. Well, and I think you touched on it earlier briefly but edge of extinction being a thing in this season um yeah i think the first time we saw it whether whether you liked it or didn't the first time we saw it everyone obviously accepted the invitation to stay in the game and go to the edge and i think that that didn't really shock me you got a bunch of first-time players <laughs> yeah. you know, people's dreams to get on survivor and now you're telling them well you, you got voted out but you can still be in the game sign me up yeah that's i want to be here now having a group of all returnees all winners obviously they're all competitors but will you get people who look at it and say you know i gave it my shot and you know it wasn't meant to be or people who look at it knowing kind of how the edge of extinction works whether it'll be exactly the same this time um Obviously, they wouldn't know when they make the decision, but you get someone like uh, Sandra, you know, you're telling her you got to go live on this island where there's nothing for 12 days. And then you have to compete against, let's just throw some names out there, Tony, Rob and Ben in a challenge to get back into the game. I think Sandra's smart enough to know she's probably not winning a challenge against a lot of people in this game. And it it wouldn't just be a good point wouldn't just be her necessarily, but others could look at it as, you know, my chances of winning a challenge to get back into this game, which I would guess they would assume is the mechanism for getting back into the game. It's not worth it to go out there. Now, what I would think would be interesting. And, you know, again, I'm not sure exactly how edge would work this year. um, If it's going to be the same, but I was noodling this over earlier is if you almost did something with the first edge re-entry this year, similar to the Outcasts and Pearl Islands, where they're Ooh. all going out there assuming, okay, we're going to have a challenge to get back in the game, and then day 15 or 18 or something, it's like, okay, everyone vote. The person who gets the most votes is back. The rest of you are done. Hmm. <laughs> that That would have been interesting. And who knows? Maybe I'm reading. Maybe they want to do something different this time. It's a good point. But but I think the players are going to assume it's going to be the physical challenge. Yeah. And so will some of them say, well, it's not worth it given the long odds of trying to get back in against some of these other players? Maybe or they're just they're all obviously super competitors. So I could see Sandra being like, screw it. I know I have no chance, but 
I'm going to go down fighting, even if it means spending 15 days out on the edge. Eric, let's talk about the edge here for a little bit. I My bold prediction for the edge is I think people, I know people are really upset about it coming back. I think people are going to be happy that it came back to some extent, especially if we lose. If your favorite player gets voted out the very beginning of the season, you're going to be able to hang on to some hope if the boot order isn't very good and you're unhappy, you can hold out hope that maybe one of these people is going to come back into the game. And I think that that could, I think that could be good. You get to still watch them on TV. I do think though, with the edge, it'd be nice if these episodes were longer, if there was an hour and a half, if we didn't have a reward challenge, just so we could get a handle of everything that's going on in the game and outside of the game at the edge. Yeah, agreed. You know, the first Edge season, it seems sometimes there. I never felt like there was a great balance. It was either too far one way or too far the other way, where it could go one episode and it seemed like there'd be one scene from the Edge all episode, and then another where they're out there for 10 minutes looking for whatever advantage is out there, and all of a sudden inside the game, you're getting two scenes of challenge and tribal. But I think the edge is really, and who knows if they instituted it for um, season thirty-eight because with an eye on season forty here. Ooh. Um, I think if you you go back to that first All Star season and you look at that boot order, yeah, the way the wins were targeted, the way the big names really fell by the wayfront that first half of the game, and all of a sudden you have, I mean, they're still All Stars, but for lack of a better term, the the lesser all-stars <laughs> yeah. in the second half of the game. You know, you lost right off the bat. You lost Tina. You lost Rudy. You lost uh, Rob Sesternino early on. You obviously lost Richard Hatch. And it's like all these big names. And smartly, the other players in the game are like, well, we don't want them to win again. Or in the case of rob or rudy like they're super popular players or super smart players we can't let them get far but i think that might have played into it with bringing edge back for season 40 um it's a way to make sure your big names stick around and get the screen time um but as you said i hope it doesn't overwhelm it if you know a rob or a parvati or a tyson or Tony gets sent to Edge early on, I hope the episodes don't become, you know, half them just monologuing out on the edge and um, hurting the coverage of the game. Yeah, and Jeff Probst said in some of his Entertainment Tonight Canada interviews that in order to get these people, that was one of the things they were pitching is they said, hey, you come, you will get some form of second chance if you are voted out. So they have an idea it seems that there will be an edge. I think everyone's going to know that there's an edge, even if it isn't announced. Or, or they're, they're at least going to assume it. Yeah, exactly. They're all going to assume it. I personally actually like the Redemption Island format better, but I will say I think that all those edge scenes that we were just talking about from last season, I'd watch those and I would it would leave me wanting more. It was... Wow, Reem is so entertaining. She's so funny. The stuff that's going on here with Reem and Chris and the lizards and just the smack talk that's going on. It made me want to see more of that. So that's why I think 
it would be cool if, or if the Edge had some sort of a spinoff show and there were a twenty-minute YouTube clip show the next day. Yeah, I, it's it's just a matter of maybe them going through one season of The Edge will result in better balance and editing this year. Yeah, but I but I think you go back and you look, and the biggest one that sticks in my mind with the way The Edge was edited last time was they have that you know Keith and Wendy left and it was like wait why like they seemed so happy one moment to have been to been there to have another chance to get back in the game and then you come back from commercial it's like oh they're on the boat yeah <laughs> you know what I mean it's <laughs> it, it was really odd and really jarring and I think that's where you know the 90 minute episodes would be great or like you said maybe if they did a little bit on the actual episodes, but as you said, do kind of, instead of random special scenes online, do kind of a more cohesive um, mini episode from the edge each time. Yeah. could be a way to sell more CBS all access subscriptions. (laughs) Aaron, let's talk about some of these people that we think, have a really good chance of winning and we'll get a chance to touch on some of the people we haven't touched on. I'll give you one name that I think is in a great spot to win this season. I don't know if I'd make him my winner pick, but I'm tempted to. And that's Adam Klein. Yeah. I mean, he's someone who balances, obviously he's the new school kind of player, but someone who's been a super fan of the show. So I think there won't be that aversion to just sticking with, the new players, like I don't know if he'll be starstruck by some of the older winners, but I think <laughs> yeah, you might see him be a little more likely to work with the older winners and maybe some of the newer players. Um, you know, he obviously played a great game uh, his first time around. Obviously, a couple of couple lucky breaks, but every winner has them. You know, I think he's someone who might, despite the fact he was a unanimous winner. You know, he's someone who has room to improve from his first game. You talk about misplaying two uh, hidden immunity idols in his season. You know, just able to learn from that. Um, yeah, I think, I think, and he's the type of player, and you see it in these returning seasons. I mean, going all the way back to All Stars and kind of Amber going in, or how far Jenna Lewis got where yeah. sometimes in these returning seasons with all these personalities, sometimes those who can kind of take the, take the step back and kind of let everyone else play it out and, you know, stay under the radar. And I think Adam's someone who could do that in this group, just, just looking at the, some of the other players on his uh, starting tribe, he could do that where he just gets in as a number and then, you know, makes it to the merge and goes on from there. I think Adam, I think Wendell, I think Michelle Fitzgerald, I think, let's see, Sophie. I'm looking through these names. I, I, I truly think a lot of these newer winners are in a good spot to make a deep run. I Nick Wilson. Nick, I was just going to say Nick, like that's the kind of player. Yeah. And especially you get the, the kind of Southern aw shucks persona. Um, <laughs> You know, he showed he was able, he was really social, forming a number of alliances, obviously had to overcome a majority alliance after the merge. 
Um, you know, was able to avoid elimination, able to win challenges. But I don't think he's not someone, and maybe part of it is that that southern accent where you kind of get mm-hmm. underestimated a little. You don't sound necessarily as as strong. And I think that he's someone who can kind of go under the radar. And again, you combine, he's someone who showed in his first season he can win individual challenges. And he's still young. He's still 29 years old. You know, so some of these yeah. older players who've advanced in age a bit, maybe not as where they were physically their first time around. He's obviously close enough to his season where he, he's still going to be at that physical level. Yeah, I think I think all those people and the one th- thing that they all have going for them is they don't have any blood on their hands. Boston Rob has blood on his hands. Now, not necessarily anyone on this. I guess Parvati and him clashed, although it sounds like they want to work together. At least Rob wants to work with Parvati. <laughs> so some of these people, though, they're I guess that's interesting because it's all winners. It's not like you're really looking at too many rivalries, but I just naturally I think that a lot of these newer people are set up better than the older people just because of the target thing and who some of the newer people are, too. I think looking at the female side, you know, Kim Spradlin. Yeah, I think is someone who, you know, her game was one of the best we've seen, but she doesn't necessarily come across as this over the top personality. Right. Exactly. And I think that'll, that'll really help her out. She's obviously more than capable in the challenges. Um, in her season, I think she was helped out by the fact the end was all females, but, um, she was low profile early on, built the relationships. And then when she needed to around the merge had, had a couple ways she could go and, committed to the right one. Um, and then I think on the, the other tribe, you look at Natalie Anderson. Yeah. Kind of similar, like, okay, more under the radar, build those relationships. You know, someone again, who went out there and won of challenges and comes out in the end. I think that's going to be like those type of players who aren't going to, they're not going to be the first person when, when these people get separated into their tribes and they look at each other, each of them is going to be drawn to certain people as, oh, they're here. I can't let them be here too much longer. Yeah. I need to get rid of them when they can. I think someone like Kim or someone like Natalie, they're not going to get those looks right off the bat. And I think for the type of players they are, that's right up their alley. Yeah. That enables them to grab that foothold and progress from there. Yeah, and I also think Michelle and Danny are similar in the sense now obviously Danny is several years older. It's been a long time since she played the game, but they both have a similar under the radar type of game. They're never they have a great social game. They're never going to upset anyone. They play a very smart game but also are athletic and really can help you win challenges, but not in a way that is intimidating, that is threatening, that you're going to need to take them out. So those types of players, I I would put a lot of confidence in to at least make the merge. Yeah, and the thing that intrigues me with Danny is remembering back to that season, we didn't see much of her game, and that was because she 
kind of hit it from the camera. She didn't want, I think if I remember right, there was something Tyson did yeah. later on as well, where, you know, even if they're not trying to, sometimes the producers by virtue of questions, they ask other people, I'm sure. Okay. They plant a seed, not a Russell seed, <laughs> but they plant a seed in, in the minds of someone gets asked a question during a confessional. It's like, wait, why are they asking me that? Is there something I'm missing here? And so it came out like Danny didn't get much confessional-wise because she was not talking a lot of strategy to the camera because she wanted to to keep it to herself, make sure it didn't get out. So it feels like she was really under the radar there, but I think part of that was the editing because of her not giving much away even in the interviews. And so it'll be interesting to see this time around you know, 29 seasons later, is she a bit more open with that? Do we maybe see a different side of her game that we didn't see that first time around where, okay, she's actually playing more. She's actually running things more than we thought she was, but because she wasn't talking about it, it didn't get shown. Yeah. What, who else in this cast do you want to talk about Aaron that we haven't gotten to? Um, I think, Ethan's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, you talk about probably as non-threatening a male winner to have out there as you could get. I mean, maybe, maybe besides Fabio, but I think you look at Ethan, especially now with everything he's gone through. I I don't think anyone's going to see him as a threat until the end, until the end. Yeah. Where being the nice guy isn't. And having his story of beating cancer yeah. it's hard not to vote for that guy in the final three but, but you talk you talk about someone maybe on the male side kind of who can play that under the radar game early on and just kind of be everyone's friend and feel out the alliances and get a foothold and all of a sudden maybe work their way into a power position i think ethan as much as anyone on the men's side is someone who could do that i mean his all-stars game he was the last winner remaining and i think he gets a break to go his way. He goes pretty deep in that season, too. He, I mean, the thing is, it was all no winners. We don't want any winners. And if he had gone into that game having lost Survivor Africa, he very well could have won that season if yeah. him and Lex had swapped places. I mean, I think it says something like he was that last winner remaining. Like, he managed, yeah. even with everything against them, like, to build these relationships to a point where, I mean, I don't think he ever was a threat to win, obviously Um, that wasn't going to happen in that season, but yeah, he, as much as anyone kind of maintained, maintained his standing from his first time around where fairly or unfairly those returning. And that was the first time we had seen returnees and fans started to judge people based off of both games. When, they're two completely different sets of circumstances when you go in with having played before or having pre-existing relationships. But I think he of all the winners in that game kind of maintained his standing in terms of fans thoughts. Like, okay, this guy was a good winner. And he came out and he went down fighting and he played well. I mean, it, it's that kind of, I don't even know if it's necessarily under the radar, but just a nice guy. But as you said, his backstory with having beaten cancer, when you get toward the end of the game and all of a sudden, okay, 
maybe you want to be nice. Maybe he's been nice all game, but there's $2 million on the line now. And right. And, <laughs> and I don't want to be sitting next to him. Yeah. I'm so glad he's back. It's, it's a great story. I never thought he was going to be back on survivor. No. And you know, it's, it's great to see any of these old players, but especially given what he's been through to, to kind of, um, to be able to sh- even show, hey, you can you can go through these struggles, you can deal with cancer and come back and still do everything you did before. And I think he could be an inspiration to people who might not even know him because it's been 16 years since he played. There's probably a very large segment of the fan base who's never seen him on their screen. But he comes with us, he shows, hey, you can go through all this and come out and still and still be on Survivor and still compete at the highest level, I think that could be inspirational to a lot of people watching. So a couple of other people I want to talk about here for just a second, not too long, but Ben and Sarah. I think it's interesting with both of them because, look, I could see them going on first look. I, I feel like they're two people where you'd say, well, Ben's win was discredited and disrespected. That's the type of person who could go deep. And Sarah is someone else who could potentially be a little under the radar. But did you see Sarah's pregame interview on ET Canada, Aaron? I have not, no. I've actually tried to avoid kind of the pregame stuff a lot of it just because I want to go in fresh and not be kind of biased with what I'm hearing. So what'd she have to say, though? Well, she called herself the greatest player of all time. And her rationale was that because she voted out Sandra and beat Sandra, that makes her the greatest, which I think is wrong on so many levels. No need to go too deep into that. But I think Sarah, if she is carrying this sense of cockiness and entitlement into the season, I don't think that's going to bode well for her. I also think that while Ben has been disrespected, the fact that everyone knows he can find idols can also make him an early threat as well. Well, and I think you look at, you know, Ben obviously social game wise was not good in his season. I think that's why, (laughs) that's why he needed the idols. That's why he needed to win the fire making. Um, because otherwise, you know, he's the target there. Um, so, but again, does someone like that, when you get into a game like this, does someone like that become an easy person? Hey, I'm going to go along with them, and if there's going to be a target between me or him, he's going to be the one taking the fall first. Um, or with Sarah, okay, if she's out there being assertive, being aggressive, you know, being cocky, okay, sounds like someone good to align myself with. I mean, basically what Amber did with Rob in the original all-stars yeah i'm just gonna go along with him and we might be equal partners but he's the one making everyone mad so (laughs) i'm just gonna fly by over here and hopefully pick up the votes in the end so again it's one of those it could go either way and i feel like i'm saying that a lot but (laughs) there's so many aspects to this game where and given the group and given the uniqueness of okay everyone's won the game and everyone's going to take a look at, okay, how do I win again? What do I need to do different? What do I need to do the same? 
And I feel like this is a group that's going to study and go in with strategies. And, you know, some of them might look at it and say, hey, I'm going to go with the bombastic people so I can just slide along here. That works. You know, someone's, or someone say, Ben found three hum- hidden immunity idols. Yo, I don't need that around here. I want a hidden immunity idol. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I, I don't see Ben doing it. Now, where you could see Ben is he could be someone who, okay, he gets sent off early, sits out there on edge, comes back. Or if they do like they did Edge last time where there's two separate, you know, coming back from the edge of extinction, you know, he gets voted off mid-game, sits out on the edge, comes back at final six, wins a challenge, finds an idol, wins fire, sitting in the final three. I could see him pulling off something like that. Now, I don't think (laughs) this is a group necessarily, and this is where you get the different dynamic of these pre-existing relationships, where someone coming back in late from edge will get the majority of the jury votes just because they spent time with that person out on the edge. I think it depends who it is because let's say Sandra were to somehow get back in and now she's in there and she's up against two people who have really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and have done some dirty stuff and, have been disingenuous. I think Sandra has a good chance to win in that spot. Well, I th- I think that comes more because I think I saw it as Chris won more because of he built those relationships during yeah. his time on edge. And granted, there were parts of Julian Gavin's games that the jury, most of which were out on edge, didn't respect. But I felt like it was more based on the bonds they had built with Chris during their time together. I think in the case you're describing, it's more they'd be voting against the other two than necessarily voting for Sandra. Right, yeah. I, I, th- I think in a game like this, with all returnees, with all winners, that for someone to come back from edge and win, especially if it's someone who spent as long out there as Chris did, it's going to have to be a case of, there's no way I'm voting for these other two. So by default, congratulations, you're the winner. Versus I'm voting for the person who was in the actual game for 14 days and on edge for 25. Exactly. Yeah. I want to dispel something here. This whole promotion that they're doing is who will be the greatest of all time. If you win this season, I do not think it may automatically makes you the best ever. Mainly because look at this. We're trying to assess this. We're trying to analyze this. This is the type of thing where you run a simulation of this season a hundred times, you get ninety nine different results. Yeah, I mean it's and that's the way with any survivor series. Yeah. It's like was Amber the greatest of all time just because she won all stars? I think you would have found very, very few, if any people at that time, who would have said that? Um, but it, it's, I mean, it's a marketing campaign, and it kind of goes along with what I do, my job. You know, <laughs> you're, you're trying to sell the season to maybe fans who haven't watched as much recently, um, or fans who, they're, they were old school, they got out of it, but now it's, oh, it's a chance to see some of your favorites from back in the day. Can they be the greatest? Can they beat these new kids on the block? I think 
you saw the same thing with the marketing for the recent Jeopardy tournament. Yeah. You know, they call yeah. it, they write the title, <laughs> the greatest of all time. Now, that was different, obviously. You had three players who, I think if you ask Jeopardy fans, like, those are the three by most, if not all measures, the three best ever. And their fate is in their own hands. Yes. It's not, they're like, they're counting on someone to vote for them or not. Or, you know, if they stumble across one of these, uh, one one of the token, the fire tokens, is that what they're called, right? <laughs> they happen to yeah. stumble across the right fire token <laughs> and get some food or an advantage, you know? Man, that would be interesting if they had immunity idols on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think I. Th- I think it's just a marketing thing. I think, you know, most fans are going to recognize that just because you win this one season doesn't automatically make you the greatest. That said, if Sandra somehow wins again, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think there's much of an argument against her at that point. I think that any of these people that we talk about in terms of a Boston Rob, a Sandra Parvati, some of these people that have these huge targets on their backs if they win i know obviously sandra's won twice already so she'd have three but i i do think that that would really really uh put whomever that would solidify their legacy in a way that would make them equal to sandra in a way in the sense that while they may not have gone two for two they came into a game like this one with everything stacked against them and they were still able to find a way to win. That would be really impressive to me. I mean, whoever wins, it's going to be impressive that, I mean, obviously someone's got to win a second time, Yeah. but to look at it and be, and especially kind of go back and look how they played differently, how they adjusted from their first time around. It's just so interesting because they're all winners and it's, I think as fans of anything, you're kind of drawn toward rankings like you want to know who, <laughs> yeah. who's the best, who's second best, who's the worst, and I think you get that with you know it's it permeates out there in the fan base this idea of ranking the winners, and it's just so difficult for us as fans to be able to do because one every game's different. You're, I mean, no two seasons of Survivor are like, and two we're seeing what the editors want us to see. We're judging these winners based off of 42 minutes a week for 13 weeks where there's how many hours of footage that we're not seeing from their seasons that could help maybe turn a viewpoint or realize, Oh, Hey, this person was more impressive than I thought, but because of the way the storylines were going, it wasn't important to show that on TV. I I think it all comes down to the whole goat idea is, is a marketing play and it's a good one and it'll get, I'm sure it'll draw people who haven't watched Survivor in a while into the season. That at the end of the day, whoever wins can be sleeping tight, no matter whether or not people consider them the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, few other things here, Aaron. This first episode, I I have the number. What number episode of all time? How many Survivor episodes there have been? Do you have any guesses as to what number episode this is? Let's see, we got season number 40, probably about like, maybe like 560 or so. Wow, that was a great guest. It's 583. Okay. will be the first episode titled Greatest of the Greats. 
That, that's a lot of Survivor. <laughs> it sounds like a lot more when you put it like that than just 39 seasons doesn't sound so bad, but no, 500, 582 episodes already times at least 42 minutes in an episode. Oh, dear. Times, how many times have you gone back and rewatched <laughs> a lot? <laughs> yeah, me, me too. That, that's a lot of time invested. Yeah, probably like. 20 rewatches total and in the sense of like the amount of seasons I've rewatched and some more than once. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, but it's, I think it's nice. (laughs) And I don't know how far survivor is going to go into the future. I mean, obviously it's still drawing good ratings. You have to think about how long does Jeff Probst want to host because he's getting up there in age now too. Um, But I think this is a good kind of, bringing the previous 39 seasons all together, kind of tying it up in a bow. And, you know, if there is more survivor, there is more survivor. But if this were to be it, we would have at least gotten to go out with, uh, with, with this kind of idea of bringing the greatest back to battle against each other. Now, I hope it goes on into the future for a while, but yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning, my excitement level for this season just, you know, when I went and I put together my notes for this and I'm looking at these names and I'll be honest, like I'm a more casual fan nowadays than I was back in the day. Like I was pretty hardcore in the first <laughs> 10 seasons or so, but I just look at the list of names and you write them all like the idea of a winter season in the abstract was like, Oh, that'd be awesome. But then you look at the names written down and you're just, I'm just scrolling down my word document and looking at everyone and thinking, Oh, they're all competing against each other. Like, I think this is going to be, I mean, I hope the result is good, but whether the result is good or bad, just the idea of getting this talent level of player back to all compete against each other and kind of the representation of all the different eras of Survivor is going to be some really fun viewing. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're with returning player seasons, we're pretty much assured a strong first three, four episodes. The rest will be kind of up in the air because really there hasn't been a returning player season yet. That's been one that has been one of my top 10, top 12 favorite seasons. Now maybe this could be the season I think a lot of times what ends up happening is the big targets end up getting out in the first stages of the game. We'll see how that plays out when everybody's a winner in the sense that everyone is a threat in some capacity or another. I think to go back to what you were talking about with how long this show potentially has, I think we're going to get to 50, which is going to be interesting because that's only five years away. So what kind of red carpet are they going to roll out for Survivor Season 50, which is an even bigger... Yeah, it's a bigger milestone. Um, and it'll be interesting, like, if yeah. it does get that long, how do they top themselves from this? It's pretty yeah. hard to get any better than this. Is Jeff going to play in Season 50? <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't know, if you get to some sort of mega season where you get one person back from every... I don't know. They've set the bar pretty high with this year, and I, I just find it interesting they were able to get this done because if I remember right, a few years back, 
Jeff Probst said, no, we're not going to do an all winter season. And yeah, I'm assuming CBS is like, Hey, we want an all winter season, get it done. Um, <laughs> that is what happened. <laughs> bar, the bar is set now and you just hope the, the show itself lives up to kind of these pregame expectations going in. Yeah, and please, no Survivor controversy. We've had some issues with recent returning player seasons. If we could steer clear of ugly stuff and this season could just be fun and lighthearted, that would be great. Yeah, it's it's like we watch this for, for escape. Like We watch it to enjoy it. And I do think that Survivor is in a spot where it's the highest rated show on CBS. It's the most watched show on the most watched network this show is going to keep going in some way or another in the sense that jeff could retire and they could get boston rob to host maybe they get sesternino to host there are people that they could get that i think survivor would be able to keep going it might not be the survivor that we know now but it could keep going if cbs were to want to drop it i think one of these cable networks could want to pick it up and so really i think survivor we we have no idea how long this is gonna go but i i feel very confident in saying that we're gonna at least get to 50 yeah and uh and i think we'll, we'll still be watching and i think that's the thing like i said i'm not <laughs> not as hardcore as i used to be but at the end of the day i'm i've still watched every season and even in some of the more recent ones i've found some of my favorites you know you go back, David versus Goliath, I think, was a pretty solid season. Like, that's one I'd go back and watch again. And and so there, there's still, there still can be good product produced by Survivor. And um, hopefully this season's one of those seasons. Aaron, did you get a chance to check out the Survivor at 40 special that aired this week? I have not yet. That's on, uh, I've got a pretty free weekend i have a women's uh women's basketball game saturday afternoon but then after that i've got no other home events all weekend so it was on my list of things to watch this weekend i was a big fan of surviving survivor the special that aired at 20 seasons this one i'm just gonna i'll i won't give it away but prepare yourself it's a little all over the place (laughs) Well, it, I mean, they've got 40 season or 39 seasons of stuff to work with and try to what do you cover <laughs> from the past 39 seasons is and how much of it is retrospective. I get and I'll find out. I have like I said, I haven't seen it. Like, is, do you do it as a retrospective or do you try to do it as a quasi preview? Yeah, <laughs> for this. Well, season? The, it's great. At the end, they give you the first five minutes of the seat of episode 583 and <laughs> and that's a nice you talk about coming full circle think back to borneo one of the uh one of the last reward challenges of that season what was the reward for that uh kelly wigglesworth <laughs> she got to go to she a got bar to go to that. with jeff probes she, <laughs> she got to go to the the fake survivor <laughs> bar that they had to create because otherwise the castaways were gonna gonna revolt with sponsors hanging out yeah. there um but yeah she gets to go to that bar and she gets to watch the first five minutes of that or how i don't know if it was five minutes i don't remember exactly yeah. but see the first few minutes of that first episode yeah that's a that's a great point didn't even think of that well i hope you enjoy that special aaron 
before I get you out of here, give me your winner pick. If you had to, if you had to pick one to win this season, who would you have most confidence in? I would say going in, my pick will be. Uh, <laughs> I'm debating in my own mind. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Kim. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I've got, you know, I really want to pick Adam Klein. He's someone that I like a lot, but I think he would be my second. I'm thinking about a little more. I think Wendell is in a good spot. I think Wendell is going to win if I had to pick one. Hey, you talk about under the radar. We've barely mentioned him on this entire podcast. <laughs> exactly, which how, means that's how much more wins. under the radar can he get? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if part of it, like he obviously, like his game wasn't super impressive maybe coming across on screen it was just he made an alliance and rode the alliance and i don't know if maybe it's underestimating because he won but it took the took the tiebreaker for him to win but yeah i mean talk about under the radar i mean i think part of it's two things one it was ghost island which is not a super significant slash memorable season and the other part is the fact that as you mentioned, there was a tie vote that really it seemed like it was flip a coin between those two which guys. I, which I will maintain, like that might be one of my favorite just one-off moments in the history of Survivor. Jeff just nonchalantly yeah. going, "I'm going to read the votes." <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine like you've been out there for 39 days, you haven't been sleeping. Well, you know, your mind's gone through the ringer a thousand times and you're sitting there and the previous 34 seasons it's been okay we'll read these when we get back to the states and you're sitting there waiting for that and he's just like we're gonna read the votes <laughs> and I, you could see it on the reaction shots like no one really knew what was going on but yeah that's an aside i just always enjoy like that couple of minutes of television it, Me it's too. one of my one, one of my favorite moments I wish they did that more at this point because they seem to all know who's going to win by the time it's eight months later and they're reading the votes in the States. So you get more raw emotion in that moment. Let's do it some more. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for the, uh, just for the reactions, if nothing else. Yeah. And especially now it, it'd be interesting to see because people know that, okay, it's tied. That's why they're reading them here. And then, oh, if someone actually won when he read them right there, I think the raw emotion of that would be would make for really good television. Yeah, I agree. And I guess the other thing I was going to say, the reason why we we talk about why Wendell is under the radar, Wendell hasn't been. I know Dominic has been showing up on lots of podcasts. He's been super active in the Survivor community. I'm sure Wendell has been active as well. But you know what I'm talking about. It seems like Dom is everywhere. Yeah, I think, I mean, just the visibility, yeah, as you say, it's a big thing. And Wendell really hasn't been out there as much. But, you know, maybe maybe that's a strategy going into this kind of game. It is. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm as under the radar as I can be. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to interact much. I'm just going to sit back and let things happen and... Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like he and he's got the uh, 
he's got the physical game too. You look at it, he had four individual wins that year, that season. Like the physical game to go with the social game. Yeah, definitely. So I think he's in a great spot. I don't think anyone's going to be gunning for him. I think he's got a lot of. He's good at forming relationships. He's a likable guy. He's under the radar. He's good in challenges. He's not threatening. I like all those things in someone to win one of these types of returning player seasons. For sure, for sure. But, hey, maybe we'll be surprised and the most over-the-top person will end up winning and everything will get flipped on its head. And that would be great. You know, that'd, that'd be great if we go. I think that would be great. Assuming that, hey, under the radar might win this. And all of a sudden, Tony runs a muck all year and comes out with the, the win at the end. Well, we haven't talked about Jeremy at all in the sense that what Jeremy did in Cambodia, keep as many big targets around him as possible, which I think is a smart strategy. Yeah, I mean, that's but will the big targets recognize this and team up right from the start? I think some of them are going to try, but I just don't think See, here's the thing. I don't think. Well, everyone is a target. It's not like we have Richard Hatch up there. It's not like we have Tina. It's not like we have Tom Westman. Some of these just m- larger than life survivor people. Um, really, I, I don't think that there is. I think there's a, a little bit of a drop off in the sense of some of the, the, the big targets versus some of the people that. There's not a majority of major targets. Yeah, out exactly. There. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, yeah. Well, Aaron, uh, is there anything that you would like to promote while you're here? Any of the stuff you're working on with women's basketball people should check out? People should they follow you on Twitter? Anything of that nature? Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you're probably going to get a lot of random stuff that you don't really care about because I'm all <laughs> over the place on there. Um, kind of you know, tweet anything or everything that comes to mind, not necessarily... A ton of survivor stuff but if you're down with that i'm at underscore a m l e a v i t t on twitter and uh as you mentioned jack i work in valpo athletics media relations and our women's basketball team is currently having their best season in over a decade so it's it's been a fun winter so far it's amazing i'm glad i got to see them earlier this season even though it was a tough game that yeah. i went to <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Been my first year with them, so it, it's been good to see them have some success, and uh, hopefully it'll continue. They don't play games on Wednesdays, so that's good too. Oh, that's great! <laughs> so th- maybe you could, maybe this could be the first season that you start tweeting during Survivor. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. Before with on the on the men's side, you know, with being in the Missouri Valley, they play games on Wednesdays, or even back in the Horizon League days there'd be a lot of times we'd be traveling during the show on Wednesdays. So we'd be able to watch live in quite some time. That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a lot of fun, Aaron. It was. Thanks for having me. And uh, here's to a good season. That just about does it for our season 40 preview. Survivor, winners at war. I'm so glad Aaron was able to join me to talk about it today. What a great job he did. And I hope you guys are excited about this season as we are. It'll be a lot of fun to tune into this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. 
Coming up on the podcast, as I mentioned, I have Maggie Lyon. She played on the women's basketball team at Northwestern University, had a very decorated college and high school career. She will join me to talk about the college game, what's going on in college basketball right now, primarily in the men's game, but we will also talk a little bit of the women's game in addition to that. So be on the lookout for that. If you enjoyed this podcast and you like listening to this podcast in general, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And you will always be aware whenever there's fresh content available from this podcast. In addition to that, please leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Don't just leave a five-star rating. Write a few kind words in the form of a review. It goes a long way in helping me boost this podcast. I'm so excited for 2020. I think this is going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year for all of us. I think it's going to be a great year for this podcast. If you would like to get in touch with me on social media, my Twitter handle is at Jack Vita Show. That's the name of this podcast. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. That's my handle. Love interacting with the listeners. Tweet me. Tell us your thoughts. Who's going to win season 40? I want to hear it. Tweet me. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>